Is today the day where we drive out the snakes? Or is it the one where one can be pinched for a lack of verdant clothing? Perhaps neither is true, and it's simply March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, and good wishes for whatever that means for you. It is true that this is Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm fairly certain that I'm Sean Tubbs, the producer and host of this and all of the other editions of the show. On today's program, UVA President Jim Ryan speaks to business leaders in the final segment of our look at the Chamber of Commerce's State of the Community Forum. Charlottesville City Council holds its first budget work session and agrees to advertise a half percentage point increase in the meals tax rate. Albemarle County gets a new planning director who will come here from another Virginia locality. And a federal appeals court sends a lawsuit seeking a 2022 House of Delegates election back to a lower court. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance wants wildlife and nature photographers to enter their first-ever photography contest. The RCA wants high-resolution photos related to the Rivanna watershed, and the winning entries will be displayed at the 2022 Riverfest celebration on May 1st. The two categories are 16 and under, and those over the age of 17. You can send up to two entries, and the work might be used to supplement Rivanna Conservation Alliance publications. For more information, visit rivannariver.org. A federal appeals court has sent a Richmond attorney's lawsuit seeking a House of Delegates race in 2022 back to a lower court so that the question of his legal ability to do so can be answered. Here's a segment from the unpublished opinion that was issued by the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals on Tuesday. Upon careful consideration of the submissions of the parties and the oral argument conducted on March 8, 2022, we are satisfied to remand this case back to the district court for it to determine, in the first instance, whether Paul Goldman possesses Article Three standing to sue. There are some links in the newsletter, including some background information, as well as a previous story that I did from that oral argument. ABC 8 News has a story from Tuesday, which quotes Goldman as saying he believes there's still time to proceed with his case. A planning official from the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia will be the next planning director in Albemarle County. Candace Perkins has recently served as assistant director of planning and development in Frederick County, to the northwest of Albemarle. Here's a section from the press release for the announcement. The director of planning is a key leadership role within the Community Development Department, serving as the liaison to the planning commission and providing management and leadership for our planning division, which manages Albemarle County's comprehensive planning program and coordinates the development review process in cooperation with the zoning and engineering divisions. The previous occupant of the position has moved up to be Deputy Director of the Community Development Department. Charles Rapp has only been with Albemarle County since March 9th of 2020. His boss, Jody Filardo, has only been in Albemarle since September 9th, 2019. Previous occupants of all three jobs had been with the county for decades before retirement. According to the release, Perkins has over 20 years in local government. She will begin work as the department continues its work on the first phase of the comprehensive plan review currently underway. 
Perkins' first day is April 11th, 2022. It has now been a month since the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce held its first-ever State of the Community to allow officials from Albemarle County and Charlottesville to present themselves to members of the business community. President Jim Ryan attended UVA's School of Law and served on its faculty in 1998. He returned to Charlottesville as UVA president in 2018 after serving as dean of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Here's Colette Sheehy, the Senior Vice President for Operations and State Government Relations. Since he returned to UVA in 2018 to serve as president, Jim has continued to emphasize the importance of educational opportunity, especially for underrepresented students and first-gen college students. Sheehy said one of Ryan's central goals is to strengthen the relationship between the university, Albemarle, and Charlottesville. Ryan appeared at the Irving Theater in the Code Building via Zoom. The relationship between um, UVA, Charlottesville, and Albemarle County uh, is incredibly important. Um, and, I, and although strong, I thought there were areas for improvement. And part of this is about being a university that is great and good. And I think part of being a good university is taking seriously the obligations of an anchor institution in a community. Let's take some stock of some population numbers. In the fall of 1991, the University of Virginia had an on-grounds student enrollment of around 18,000. That's a figure that includes both graduate and undergraduate students. 30 years later, the total on-grounds enrollment has increased to over 26,000. In 1990, the U.S. Census Bureau counted 68,040 people in Albemarle and 40,341 in Charlottesville. Albemarle's population has increased to 112,935 as measured in the 2020 census, and Charlottesville's official count increased to 46,553 that year. The Weldon Cooper Center at the University of Virginia believes that figure is higher due to an undercount of college towns due to the pandemic. Their 2021 estimate puts Charlottesville at 51,079 people. So that's the total size of the community. When President Ryan got here, he put together a working group of community leaders, faculty, and staff, and students, and asked them to report back on what the biggest issues are facing the community. One is jobs and wages. The second is affordable housing. Third, access to public health. Um, and third, and fourth, youth education. Since then, UVA has raised its minimum wage to $15 an hour, including a requirement for contractors to do so. That working group became the President's Council on UVA Community Partnerships. The pandemic put much of the process on hold, but the working groups are back. There's a recent report from the Pipelines and Pathways group, which is intended to make jobs at UVA more accessible to people in the community. There's a local economy group that is seeking ways to improve connections with area businesses. Some of it is just about making sure that local businesses know about the opportunities to engage in business um, with um, UVA. And so that's looking at everything from how we select vendors to how we advertise um, what we're looking for and the requirements that we have. But some of it is just making sure that local businesses understand the process and understand that we're very much interested um, in working with them. 
UVA has also pledged to build between 1,000 and 1,500 affordable housing units over the next decade on properties owned by the university or the University of Virginia Foundation. Three sites have been selected, and they are the North Fork Discovery Park in Albemarle County, property on Wortland Street in Charlottesville, and the Piedmont Housing Site off of Fontaine Avenue. We have an obligation to contribute, um, but it's also in the interests of UVA, just as it's the interest, in the interests of Charlottesville and Albemarle County. If you want to attract and retain a talented workforce, um, you need to make sure that there are places where people can live affordably. Under this arrangement, UVA will supply the plan and a private developer will build the housing. Ryan said he would like to see second-year students living on grounds and there are plans to proceed but it will take more construction. Right now, um, we, ha- we have housing for upper-class students, but we don't have enough housing to house um, all the second years. In 2016, the university hired a firm to review its economic impact on Virginia and found there had been $5.9 billion generated by activities across the Commonwealth and 51,653 jobs in fiscal year 15. President Ryan said it has been some time since that report, but he believes the numbers are holding up. Visitors coming to UVA and and students uh, spend nearly about $200 million annually locally, um, and that in turn supports roughly 2,000 jobs locally. Um, So it's not an insignificant contribution to to the local economy. I mean, it's obviously not the only thing, and we're... We're, we're, we're not the only game in town, but we are a pretty big economic actor. The answer to this next question is worth hearing in full. City Councilor Michael Payne has argued that the University of Virginia should directly pay the city of Charlottesville in a form of taxes. Here is Payne at a budget work session before interim city manager Michael C. Rogers introduced his budget earlier this month. Is longer term, but it seems like a discussion um, that we should engage the university on. I know that's something that the University of Michigan, Yale, Harvard, many other institutions have done. Here's the question. Um, this is an interesting one. Will UVA consider payment in lieu of taxes to the city or the county? Um, we'll consider it. Uh, this came up just the other day. I, I think... Um, there are likely restrictions on our ability to do this because we're a state agency. Um, so there are all sorts of restrictions on what we can do with our state funds. Um, and because we're a state agency, when we receive money from Richmond, it's money that they're delegating to us. And whether we could turn around and delegate that or allocate that to a locality um, seems unlikely to me. Another change made during the Ryan administration has been the elimination of a public body known as the Planning and Coordination Council in favor of a closed-door body called the Land Use and Environmental Planning Committee. That group next meet on Friday. But you can't go because it's closed to the public. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, the Morvan Summer Institute at Morvan Farm wants you to know about a seminar coming up on March 29th. How are UVA students, faculty, and community partners collaborating to tell the stories of Morvan? 
Researcher Scott French has spent over 10 years studying Morvan's history and will provide glimpses into a course that he will be teaching this summer on recovering the stories of Morvan's enslaved and descendant communities. The March 29th event is a chance for the public to get a preview of the four-week course. It's available online, but there are some in-person seats left available. If you're interested, visit morvan.virginia.edu to fill out an interest form. One big segment to go in what is a very big edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Now, there are a lot of numbers involved in this next story, so grab a pencil or open up a spreadsheet to follow along. There is less than a month left before the Charlottesville City Council will adopt a budget for fiscal year 23 and four days away from the first public hearing. The five elected officials began their detailed review of the budget on March 10th. Here is Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers. We are presenting a balanced budget of $216,171,432. This represents a 12.46% increase over 2022. Technically, Rogers' budget does not include the 10 cent increase in the property tax rate that council agreed to advertise but does not indicate how it should be spent. In this budget, we have uh, presented uh, unallocated those uh, those revenues. So there is flexibility for you to uh, decide uh, how much of a increase uh, will be required based on uh, your very programmatic, uh, programmatic decisions. That means the expenditures in the budget, as introduced by Rogers, are built on the current rate of $0.95 per $100 of assessed value. But Council's review was built on the assumption that the rate will be increased to $1.05 per $100 of assessed value. Budget staff estimate that would bring in around $97.8 million, an increase of about $17.5 million over the revised budget for the current fiscal year. That would be both due to the proposed tax increase as well as an increase of over 10% in property assessments. Chrissy Hamill, the senior budget management analyst for the city, told council that staff already believes tax collections in the current year will be $3 million over what was expected. The surplus would be as much as $5 million higher because the tax increase is for the calendar year, not the fiscal year. And that's not the only potential for revenues to come in higher than budgeted. Um, Again, we continue to see um, increases and improvements in sales tax and meals and lodging along those same lines. And it's very likely that as we continue through the month of March, uh, we will have another month of those projections and we probably will be coming back to you with some amendments for the 23 budget as well. Hamill said the additional money that would come from the tax increase have been left unallocated because there are still many scenarios for funding the construction costs to renovate Buford Middle School. That would be part of an overall school reconfiguration. There is still questions about the um, construction and the funding options for that project. Um, Additionally, we know that the construction dollars themselves are not actually needed until 2024. As you heard in the last segment, 
Councillor Michael Payne has called on the city to seek the University of Virginia to pay a payment in lieu of taxes, or pilot. Currently, Charlottesville Utilities pay such a charge, budgeted at $6.27 million in revenues in fiscal year 23. These are included in city utility bills. Here's Finance Director Chris Cullinan. It's a payment as if the utilities were a, a private utility provider within the city. Um, it, it emulates the, the tax burden that they, if they were a private corporation, what they would be, what they would owe the city. So it's an expense of the utilities. It's including the utility rates and it's uh, remitted to the city each year from the water, sewer and natural gas utilities. Now on to expenditures. There was an across the board 8% increase in salaries for city employees, building off of a 2% cost of living increase that went into effect on July 1st, 2021 as well as an additional 6% increase granted to council in late December that was paid for through the surplus from fiscal year of 2021. There's another 3% cost of living adjustment scheduled for July 1st, 2022. That's a total of $5.2 million to pay for salary increases for city employees. There are also seven new proposed employees, including a Freedom of Information Act coordinator for the city's attorney's office, a new transportation planner, and a new building inspector. The budget also reflects changes to tax relief programs. We've added a million dollars in new funding um, for the tax and um, rent and uh, grant relief. Um, this is to for a couple things. One is that we will be merging all the tax relief programs into one program. We'll also uh, be increasing the income threshold from fifty-five to sixty thousand. If the tax increase goes forward at the full advertised rate of ten cents, Hamill said there will need to be an additional five hundred thousand dollars spent on the tax relief programs to cover the costs. The biggest question about that tax increase relates to the funding of $75 million for school reconfiguration. The current draft budget recommends $2.5 million toward the project in fiscal year 23, with the bulk of it, $72.5 million, in fiscal year 24. Hamill said there are funding sources that the school board is suggesting. They also have additional ARP um, federal dollars that um, they have Uh, offered up as a potential use to help buy down some of the school-related projects in the CIP, uh, and that totaled to about $7.5 million. That would leave council needing to identify $65 million in revenue. A bill to allow Charlottesville to hold a referendum on a school-related 1% increase in the sales tax failed to make it out of a divided General Assembly. Again, we're sort of at a crossroads about next steps. Um, I know that we've, you know, we started with a $50 million project. Um, we, we got up to a $75 million project. I know there have been multiple options, uh, construction options that have been presented with varying dollar amounts and additional questions. Um, and so we need to figure out what next steps are so we can sort of get to a decision factor for that amount. Charlottesville currently pays about $11.6 million in debt service on existing bonds for existing projects, according to city manager Rogers. We looked at uh, including that $75 million and bonding that would have the effect of increasing debt service to $22 million uh, uh, over, the, over the course of the project. 
The council last year agreed to reallocate $18.25 million that had been allocated to the first two phases of West Main Streetscape to the school reconfiguration project, as well as $5 million for a downtown parking garage. And those were part already in built into our projection. So that's how we got from 50 to 75. We still have the issue of how do we pay for 50 million. A quick reminder, you are listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement for March 17th, 2022. Councillor Brian Pinkston said he would like to see scenarios based on rate increases lower than 10 cents. My initial sort of assessment of the city as I've been getting to know it is it it still feels like it's underfunded um, operationally and in terms of capital projects based off what people in the community have made clear that they want. Now, obviously, it's one thing to say we need these things. It's another to fund it. Pinkston said a reduced scope for the reconfiguration project could be found, such as delaying construction of an auditorium at Buford. He thought the project should be capped at at least $65 million, including the school system's ARPA money. In his day job, Pinkston is a project manager for facilities at the University of Virginia. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade said he wanted the city council to be able to pay as much toward the project as possible, and that the school board's option and desire should be the one that moves forward. Brian has a unique insight because it's his day job. Um, but, you, you know, um, I think that we need to leave it to, to the school board um, to determine exactly which alternative um, to use. So. City Councilor Cena McGill said she was personally lobbying for more funds at the federal level to avoid bonding the project, which would require the locality to pick up most of the tab. I've actually got appointments with people in D.C. next week to talk about how to try to get some build back better money for this project. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, am, I am using every single connection I can build, find, or not burn to try to find money for this project. The Build Back Better Act is an infrastructure spending bill that passed the U.S. House of Representatives on a 220 to 213 vote, but it is not likely to pass the Senate. Councillor Michael Payne said he was struggling with the numbers and the message from city budget staff that the debt service for the school would mean no new capital projects for several years. Our draft budget, where it is, if you're talking about a 10 cent real estate tax increase and freezing our budget for several years, taking all politics aside, is that good public policy? To me, it seems like it's just not. Payne said the city needs to be able to have the flexibility to further increase wages, fund firefighter positions that are currently covered by a federal grant, funding for further subsidized housing to be built by the Piedmont Housing Alliance, and more. He also suggested continuing to pursue the pilot with the University of Virginia, implementing a plastic bag tax, and lobbying the General Assembly again for the sales tax referendum. Mayor Lloyd Snook suggested for this year leaving some tax rates the same. So why don't we simply leave personal property tax rates where they are? Let's leave real estate property tax rates where they are. Let's leave personal property tax rates where they are. I, as a general proposition, am not a fan of trying to change the tax rate based on whether there, those rates are, whether those, uh, the underlying values have gone up or down by a commensurate amount. 
Snook also suggested increasing the meals tax by an additional half of a percentage point. That would those two sources would give us three million dollars. Pinkston agreed with leaving the personal property tax rate the same, as well as the half percent increase on the meals tax. Payne said he would be open to both. Wade said he would support keeping the personal property tax rate the same, but also thought the meals tax should stay about the same. Commissioner of Revenue Todd Divers said leaving the rate at $4.20 of assessed value would likely yield $2 million this year in additional revenue due to the sharp increase in the value of used vehicles. I can tell you some of these bills are going to curl people's hair, and so you need to be ready for that. Council directed staff to advertise that half percent increase in the meals tax. Snook said he wants to hear from the public about how to proceed. Get that advertisement in and get the public hearing on on it held and let's hear from the public and let's you know let them weigh in as if they've got thoughts that they they would rather to see their property t- personal property tax go up rather than real estate tax. I mean, some of obviously some of these are issues that they elected us to deal with. Councillor McGill made clear she wants property owners to pay more this year in order to build up the capacity to pay for debt service. I am interested in raising our property tax one or two cents this year. Pinkston was in agreement. My sort of sense is two cents this year, two cents next, and sort of spread it out. The next work session for the council's budget is tonight and will be on funding for outside agencies. There will be another work session on the capital improvement program on March 31st. There is a public hearing on the real estate property tax rate on March 21st, followed by one on April 4th for one on the meals tax increase. Stay tuned. And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for March 17th. I am not wearing green. I would like to thank you for listening to this program. Please do send it on to other people. I'm going to try something new tomorrow. I'm going to try uploading both the audio and the text to Information Charlottesville. I'm increasingly trying to get information there as well as in this newsletter to try to figure out how to get this information out to as many people as possible. Really do enjoy putting it together in whatever form it is because I want as many people to know what's going on and how they can get involved as possible. That is the entire point of Charlottesville Community Engagement, Information Charlottesville, the Charlottesville Podcasting Network, and any other things that are associated with Town Crier Productions. Yes, you heard it there. Charlottesville Podcasting Network is something I started back in 2005, and it is returning back to me in the very near future, and I'm incredibly excited about that because all of this stuff is stuff that I want to do as a person who loves to bring people information and to increase public knowledge and community awareness of all manner of things. You can help support that by making a contribution through Substack. It is likely the most efficient way to get me funding. And of course, there's other ways. There's Patreon. Uh, But if you do Substack, the company Ting will match that initial amount, which is fantastic. And I'm really supportive of that. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Stay green out there. Stay safe in particular, because this can be a tricky day for some people. Stay dry because it's a little wet out there and stay informed. The best way to stay informed is to continue to listen to every single installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and goodbye. Goodbye.